This message was preached as pulpit supply by Jared File. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it is beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. If you turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 2, we'll be in verses 11 and 12 today, just two verses. Um, just like I always do, I like to remember where we've been. Peter has been telling us we are, as believers, we live in a hostile world. And as we live in this hostile world, we are to live as strangers and aliens. Um, that isn't, uh, doesn't mean that we, uh, um, you know, are little green men, <laughs> but that we are um, citizens of another kingdom. That, that Christ is our king, we live by his rules, and that churches are little embassies of that kingdom waiting for our king to come, in which he will set everything right and he will put all of his enemies under his feet one day. Um, so right now, in the time between the times, we live in a hostile world. And, and as we've seen in the text of 1 Peter... Um, there are some passages that tell us what God has done for us in Christ. He's caused us to be born again. We have a living hope. Um, he has called out a community of believers to be living stones like we looked at last week. Excuse me. And then there are other passages that tell us how we are to live on the basis of what God has done. So we're to be holy as he is holy as dear children. Because he's adopted us into his family, right? He's, he's caused us to be born again, so as dear children, we're to be holy as he is holy. They, they flow together. Because we've been born again of an imperishable seed, then we're to love one another. They fit together. The, on the basis of the fact that we have been born again, then we love one another earnestly from the heart. And uh, here, again, we come to one of these passages where... Peter is telling us, on the basis of what God has done, now this is how we live. Verse uh, 11, and we'll read our text. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have spoken to us, that you have not left us in the dark. But Lord, you have given us life by your words. Father, speak to us now. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see. Give me strength as I preach your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Peter begins with a word it's, it's, uh, that it would be easy just to skip over. Beloved. Beloved. You know, we, we understand this is his address. He's, he's calling them beloved. And then he gets to what he wants to say, but let's linger here for just a minute. Beloved. Peter calls the believers he's writing to, and we can remember that we are beloved. We've been born again. 
of an imperishable seed. And He's called us to love one another. And so we are beloved. God loves us. So that is part of the ground for the command that He's about to give. He doesn't tell us, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passion so that God will love you. That's not what He says. He says, Beloved, you are already loved. God has already chosen you. If you have trusted in Christ, if you've been born again, you're already loved. And on the basis of the fact that God has loved you, then you obey this command. That's the way the commands in Scripture work. They're grounded on the work of Christ that He's already accomplished. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles. So He's urging us. This is urgent. He's not just requesting it. He's not just he's not asking us. He's urging us. This is important. This is this is crucial. If we miss this, we miss it all. He's telling us he urges us as sojourners and exiles. He's reminding us again of what he's already said. He said we're like strangers and aliens in this world. We're just a passing through, right? As sojourners We're travelers in this world as exiles. And what does he get to? What does he say that we're to do? How how we're to live? We are to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against our souls. Um, Here, he's telling us we are not to indulge in the passions of the flesh. Now, there's lots of passions of the flesh. Oftentimes, our uh, mind might go immediately to sexual sins. But it's not just that. It is that. We are to abstain from those things. God tells us the will of God for us is that we, uh, uh, that we um, flee from sexual immorality. That we abstain from sexual immorality. That is the will of God for us. It tells us in other scriptures. But also, uh, there are other passions of the flesh. Let's think about gluttony. Um, Gluttony, you know, just unrestrained, just eating whatever we want. uh, Whenever we feel like it, without any kind of self-discipline at all. And sometimes we don't even talk about those kinds of things. But here, Peter tells us to abstain from the passions of the flesh. That's Our flesh has desires and, and it wants things for itself. And we're to, to put off those things. Um, here's another passion of the flesh. I think gossip can be a passion of the flesh. There's a certain amount of pride that wells up when we know something that somebody else doesn't know, right? We're in the know. We, we, we have this sense of pride of, oh, did you hear what that person did over there? And, and, and we well up with this pride and it, it satisfies and it gratifies our flesh. And we're to abstain from those passions of the flesh. That destroys churches to do that kind of thing. He tells us to abstain from the passions of the flesh. And then he tells us, Something about those passions. They wage war against our souls. 
They want to destroy us. They, they feel natural and normal to us. And we look at the world and we see in the media and we see everybody around us indulging their passions, getting bigger houses and fancier cars and all these things, indulging their flesh. And we think, well, that looks pretty fun. Why can't I do that? But the truth is, those things wage war against our souls. They want to destroy us. They want to distract us from the main things in the Christian life. Now, we already live in a hostile world. The world looks at us and thinks we're crazy because we believe this book. The world looks at us and, and is hostile against us. They will call us evil because we hold to biblical morality. But it's not just the world looking at us that's hostile. It's us that's hostile. <laughs> the, our own flesh is at war against us. And, and if you've ever been unsuccessful at a diet, you may feel that way. <laughs> I mean, I, there, there was a time whenever Amy and I, we were both trying the Weight Watchers things and we were counting points and everything. And, and, and uh, we, we, we would lose, lose a little bit and then we'd get to this plateau and it just, we couldn't get any lower. You know, and it, it just felt like, man, our, our flesh is at war against us. It doesn't want to be defeated. <laughs> um, the flesh is at war against us. The world is against us. Our own flesh is against us. And I think, you know, it reminds me of another passage that the world, the flesh, and the devil are against us. They, they, want, they want to destroy us. They want to see us defeated. Peter here, as strangers and aliens, because we are citizens of another kingdom. He's reminding us. On this basis, we are to abstain from fleshly passions those things that our own flesh thinks would be fun, thinks would be enjoyable, things, things that our own flesh has desires to do. We abstain from those things because we recognize they're at war with us. They want to destroy us. Um, not that there's, you know, money isn't evil. It's not, it's not evil to have property, to have, to have uh, wealth, but the Scriptures tell us the love of money. It's, again, getting down to the, the desires of the flesh. The love of money, 1 Timothy tells us, is the root of all kinds of evil. And so we don't, lo we don't let those things um, rule us. We don't let those things be uh, the, the, the desires that we're running after. Instead, we run after Jesus. Um, I want to remind us where we started here. Beloved. Beloved. Um, because if, if we just consider what I've been saying here, abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your souls... It sounds a lot like performance. Like, I've got to do this so God will love me. I want to go back up again and remind us. He says here, Beloved, 
Because we've already been loved by God, because He's already adopted us into His family, therefore we live this way. We abstain from the earthly passions, from the fleshly passions. Let's move on. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. So here... He shifts from internal to external, right? We have external foes. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles. That's the hostile world we live among. And here he's not talking about race, Gentiles, as in Jew and Gentile. He's using the term Gentile figuratively to speak of all those who are among the pagans, who are not believers in Jesus. Keep your conduct as you live in the midst of this hostile world, as you live in the midst of people who hate you because you follow Jesus, you keep your conduct honorable. Don't revile whenever you're spoken against evil as evildoers. Don't, and he gets into that later on in, in further texts about how we live in the midst of this hostile world. But we're to keep our conduct honorable. And, and part of how we do that is we abstain from those passions of the flesh. We keep our conduct honorable among the pagans so that when they speak evil against you as evildoers, when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. So... What's the reason why we keep our conduct honorable as we live in the midst of this pagan world, pagan society? So that when they speak evil against, speak against you as evildoers, it's going to happen. It says when. It doesn't say if. Right? It's going to happen. And we know it. We, we live in the 21st century. And what month is this? If you're on Facebook, if you're on social media, everywhere you look, it's rainbows, right? <laughs> it's rainbows. It's Pride Week or month. And, and as a believer, if we stand up and say what I've seen on Facebook, others have said, let's take back the rainbow. It's a reminder of God's faithfulness not to destroy the earth for the very sins that we're celebrating this month, Right? Um, they're going to speak evil against us. If we stand up and say homosexuality is wrong, it's sinful, and I, just, I don't mean to just pick on that, but that is the area where our society is against us today. There's lots of things we could talk about, but that is the point of conflict between us and our culture. It is the, it is the hill on which to die today. Um, they are going to speak evil against us, and we should expect it. Jesus said, if they hated me, they're going to hate you too, right? And, and here he says, when they speak evil against you, when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. The, old, the, the, the hostile world speaking about uh, Christians as evildoers is nothing new to the 21st century. It happened back then. For instance, um, one of the things that, that uh, the early church was uh, called evil for was they didn't worship the emperor. 
They were monotheistic. They only worshipped one God, the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Jesus. They did not worship all the other gods like Diana and Artemis and all these different uh, gods that the pagan world had. And in order to be a good citizen in the Roman world, in the, in the ancient world, what did you have to do? You had to pay homage to the gods. If you wanted prosperity for Ephesus, then you worship uh, Diana along with the rest of them. Because, you know, we want Artemis or, or whatever the gods are to, to, to bless our city and to give us prosperity. And if you don't do that, like the Christians wouldn't, then you must be haters of mankind. See, the early church was, was called evil just the same as we are. We don't join in with the world on what they think is good, but we know is wrong. Um, another thing that Christians were called evil about, there was a misunderstanding. We took communion this morning. I read from John chapter 6 where Jesus said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part of me. And in the early church, there were many who misunderstood that and they accused Christians of being cannibals. <laughs> you talk about eating and drinking, eating flesh and drinking blood. You must be cannibals. And they, they didn't understand and they ridiculed and they called Christians evil on that basis. Well, this is nothing new. This is just what it means to be a Christian. The world will look at us and they'll call us evil because we love Jesus. Because we live by His rules and not the world's rules. So when they speak evil against you, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. So, again, let me back up. We are to keep our conduct among this pagan world honorable. We're, they're going to call us evil, but we need to be honorable. We need to, we need to respond lovingly. We need to, to uh, be patient and gentle with people when they call us this way, these things. We, we need to be honorable about all that we do so that when these people, when the hostile world says these things about us, they may see our good deeds. They're going to see the truth. What kind of good deeds are we talking about here? You know, there's one story. Um, the Church of Brook Hills in Birmingham, Alabama, as one church uh, that has an example, their pastors, they wanted to, to um, find a way that they could help out. They heard that there was a, a need among the uh, foster care system in their community. And they called uh, the local foster care system and they asked, what, we want to we help meet the need there. How, what, what would it take to meet the needs that you have? And the person responded that uh, there were, I mean, I don't know how many, 20, 30, 50 families that are children that needed home, uh, foster homes for. And so they brought that back to their um, uh, church. They said, we've got this many family, uh, children in our county that need foster homes. This was a mega church. They had enough people in their church that they were able to take care of the entire need for the whole county in Birmingham. That's good works. 
But when the, then, that when the outside world looks at it, it says, wow, why, why did you do this? And we can answer, it's only because of Jesus and what he's done for us, and we want to bless our community. Um, another example, you know, I pastor over in Panama, and we've tried to do things to try to get into the community and help people. Uh, we power washed houses for free um, a couple of times. We've done... Um, between the years that we've done it, we've probably done over 50 houses. Uh, you know, there was 21, 20, uh, 20 or so one year, 20 or so another year, and then maybe 10 in another year. Um, we've also um, delivered, or we, uh, we, we have our members delivering Meals on Wheels. We uh, um, had a sack lunch program for kids during the summer when they weren't in school before COVID all hit. <laughs> And uh, we do things because we want to do good deeds in our community so that the people will see that and they'll glorify God. It's just like the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said um, uh, that we're to... um, And I can't remember. I can't quote it off the top of my head. I'll turn there. In Matthew chapter 5... If I wasn't under the gun, I'd remember it. <laughs> Jesus said, you are, the, um, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light lamp." And put it under a basket, but, but on a stand, and it gives light to all those who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. We do good works because we want the lost world, the hostile world, to see those things and then turn. We want them, our good deeds to be evangelism. We want them to see those things and they'll turn from people who ridicule us because we're hateful bigots into people who worship the same Jesus we do. And I think that it's about evangelism because it says here that they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. What is the day of visitation? It's when Jesus returns. It's the final judgment It's when God comes and visits the world in judgment. We'll all be there one day. The righteous and the unrighteous will stand before God one day and will answer. And either God will send some to eternal fire burning forever or there are are those who are found in Jesus, who have received His mercy, who glorify God on the day of visitation. The way we live in this hostile world has eternal implications for those around us. We abstain from the passions of the flesh. We live honorable lives among the lost world because we want them to see 
the difference that Jesus has made in our lives and that they will turn, they will repent of their sins and they will glorify God when He comes in judgment. And they won't hear those words, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. So that they will glorify God along with us and that we might be brothers and sisters reconciled with the people who currently call us hateful. That they would turn, that they would repent, and on the day of visitation, that we would praise Him and sing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. He has redeemed a people from every tribe, tongue, and nation for Himself. We'll glorify God one day. So, beloved, we do these things. We recognize we're at war. And we abstain from those passions against the flesh, passions of the flesh. And we live lives that are different from the world, that are honorable, because we want people to know Jesus and worship Him forever with us. (laughs) 